Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And we welcome you inside another edition of the Hoop Ball Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Comanti here with you alongside, as always, the incomparable, the all-knowing Jill Adge. And Jill, on Monday, the Sacramento Kings played a basketball game that in the third quarter was quote-unquote disgusting. That's what Luke Walton said after the game. Uh, and that we should be, this is his other quote, we should be very upset with our performance. No shit. Uh, somehow, though, the Kings actually only lost by five. 109-104, they fell to the Suns. They're now five and six on the season. Uh, it's Wednesday. They're about to start this four-game road trip starting this evening at 5 o'clock, or 5.30, I should say, in San Antonio. We're going we're gonna to talk about this Suns game that was very much agonizing in the second half specifically. The first half was pretty neck and neck. And then the second half we had, I think you in the past, you've said a Jekyll and Hyde performance from the Sacramento Kings. Well, we had that in the third and in the fourth where the Kings fell asleep and disappeared in the third. And then all of a sudden they woke back up. Tremezi Metu shook them and away. And the Suns fell asleep. And the Suns <laughs> fell asleep. And then all of a sudden we had this crazy ball game that actually came down to like the final 10 seconds. So there's a lot that could be said about this game. What's your first reaction from it? <laughs> I mean, it's obviously right. The third quarter was frustrating. Yeah, that's got to be it. I mean, I'm also realistic that it was the second night of a back-to-back. Um, they had played five games in seven days. I don't think people necessarily realize that either. Like start of the year, right? We're saying everyone's still getting their legs. Five days and seven games is no joke. And two of those were back-to-backs. So, um, you know, I mean, that's that's a lot of basketball. And against tough schedules, like, again, no one's getting passes, but like, I still think that there, there's a nuance to, um, you know, that was their one really, to me, that was like the one quarter where they completely just fell apart. But again, they come back and they make it a game where they're got it close. But again, like I said, the, in the last podcast, like that's a theme right now in the NBA, like it's, um, double digit leads are not what they used to be they're just not like i mean and at least so far this season and so whether that's us having to adjust um but you know when it's a game of runs and unfortunately all our runs were spent on catching up and not you know it was like the opposite of the charlotte game where we were on the opposite end end of it where we would go on a run and they would go on a little run then we would go on one and that was the same like it was flip-flopped um, where the Suns, you know, took control early and went on their runs and all our runs were spent catching up to them. So we never um, really had that chance to to go ahead. Our offense um, dropped right in the rankings. Our defense actually did not. So again, like even though we sucked it up, um, they at least in the fourth quarter, I appreciated they did not give up and I appreciated the end of the bench, not giving up. And, you know, these are guys on one-year deals, you know, one, two-year, like non-guaranteed, right? That 
they have this year, nothing's guaranteed next, um, that are playing to want to give themselves opportunities. Um, so, you know, it's, I felt like on the back, on the second night of a back-to-back, I was happy he, uh, adjusted the roster out, um, a little bit, but I felt like he only did it just because they sucked it up in the third. Not that that was actually the plan. No, um, it if it was close, right. And as we've said before, if it was close, he wouldn't have done it. So, no. um, but kudos to those guys for, for sticking with it. And you know what? I saw a lot of people mad that Fox wasn't taken out in the third, um, you know, in the fourth with that. And he led those bench guys, right. And in, yeah. in the comeback and he was kind of like helped take over that game. So um, that was nice to see for me, like through a, a kind of a lackluster beginning, like you saw him kind of take over again. And we saw what life is like without uh, Tyrese Halliburton. And I mean, I we like can it. talk about, we can talk about depth with this team, but I mean, it's, I mean, we're not the 76ers where they have five of their starting, like five of like, what was their starting lineup last year? Um, out, we had one guy out. So I'm not like, I don't, I'm not a fan of the injury excuses. Like I, I'm just not it's like, you got to next man up. You're going to have injuries all year. Like that's part of the game. Um, so yeah, I know they're, uh, him and Terrence Davis are questionable, right. um, for this game and, and Ramsey traveled with the, with the team. Um, they got- reassigned Woodard. Woodard. Um, but I'm Bobby. also kind of surprised with those guys questionable that they didn't, they don't have like a Woodard or a King up here just as extra. Um, because even if they play, you don't know that, like, what if all of a sudden they start having pain again and you're going to have to sit down. Like that's a lot to put on Ramsey. And, uh, I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, he's, he's ready for it, but, uh, yeah. What's what Walton seems to do. He seems to put a lot of faith in his big, you know, four or five guys. Ramsey did play a whole whopping two minutes on Monday. Uh, didn't put anything in the stat sheet cause he wasn't on the court long enough to, I don't even know what Luke was doing, putting him out there. It was just like, it was like that meme of the Simpsons meme where the grandpa, I don't know if you've seen this, where he just walks in, takes his hat off, immediately turns around, puts his hat back on, walks out. That was Jemias Ramsey playing basketball on Monday. It was just touching the court, sitting back down, kind of irrelevant. I think but... it was because I think it was because the run kind of happened, and then it was like, oh crap! Like let's <laughs> now, like, yeah. now we got to switch it back up again. I hope he gets um, more than two yeah. minutes tonight if if he gets a chance. But well, that too, and, and that's the thing: if those guys are healthy, he's not like he's there as a reserve right now in case those guys can't play. Like True. that's, I mean, realistically, like that's those guys aren't playing if if we're in a game. Like, yeah, that's I, I would. And it's not that I don't want Halliburton to play. And Terrence Davis had a good game on Monday. He had 13 points yeah. in 26 minutes, five of 10 from the field, three of six from three, 50 percent in both. So I want Terrence Davis on the court and I want Terry's Halliburton on the court. But this is a long road trip. Uh, you want him it, to not, not it not be a prolonged. Uh, yeah, like, I'd, I'd by rather rushing it back. I'd rather yes. have them coming back at the end, back end of this if need be. And then starting up the next homestand. And these are winnable games. We've said this. The Spurs are three and seven. They just lost to the Thunder, who the Kings play next. It's okay to me if you don't play those guys in this game, even if they're feeling a little bit better. I would rather you throw Ramsey out there a little bit, and then maybe we'll see some Mets. But I will just say, temper your expectations that. Oh, yeah. When we say winnable games. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, but I'm saying winnable games and then throwing these guys into situations, right? Where um, it's. Popovich is still the coach. You. Yeah. I mean, and, but this team also has 
needs every man up too. And that was part of my thing about, you know, um, end of man rosters and all that stuff is, um, everyone has to be prepared for it. Right. Like, right. And, um, we will find out if, if everybody's ready for that next man up. I hope so. I hope so. It's coming Um, because I'm not looking forward to the hate comments if they're not honestly, um, because we, and this is the sucky thing because we've been bad for so long. We put such high expectations on guys that necessarily like that really should not any other team that's not happening for them. Do you know what I mean? But we need every second rounder to be like the next coming because we can't afford for them not to be, um, so true, you know so I mean? sad. like in every lottery pick and everything like, so it's, it's kind of shitty. Situation, you tell me Lewis but, King, isn't the next Kevin yeah. Durant. Why, if, why, why would you kill me like that, Jill? Yeah. You know, um, I'm a huge but, fan. and, but one thing we'll get into this, you know, as, as the show goes on, but, um, I do like how much they're emphasizing development with Rico and those guys, because again, like these guys will be needed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what, and if they can come out and, and prove, you know, people right or wrong, like, and, and play well, kudos to keep, you know, keep working on it. Um, Looking at yeah. this game as a whole from Sunday, or excuse me, Monday, turnovers are the big thing, especially in the third. De'Aaron Fox team had like a turnover every other possession. Everyone in the starting five for the Kings had at least one turnover. Barnes was six that led the team. Fox had yeah, five. That's so rare, right? It is, I mean, yeah. Barnes is very smart at the ball. Harkless had nothing in his stat sheet with the exception of his turnover. And then he also had actually one rebound. Didn't shoot the ball at all, which is, again, starting to be a little annoying for me just because, again, I understand that he's there for defense. It's really a bummer well, when you're essentially yeah. playing four guys on the court that can score and then one guy that's just there because he fits because he's a glue guy or because he plays defense. But I, that's that's what the best like. And this is what the unsung heroes of the good teams you like. They still score. There are guys like uh, at times like you look at like a Royce O'Neal on Utah. Anything that he gives you is a cherry on top and he's usually shooting a three like mm-hmm. and recently he's been giving you more, which is helpful. And we saw when. When um, Harkless was giving us more, right? It was helpful, yes. But I think his thing, he has had trouble when he goes against not length, but I don't even want to say girth. No, like he was going against like guys like Crowder, like big guys. He is skinny. His his trouble really games more so were against Luca. Okay, and sorry, Harkless is a twig compared to Luca. Like, come on. Um, And then. And then Crowder, Crowder's a big dude. Like, so I just think those are bad matchups for him. He can handle the length guys, but it's the length. And then when you have add the girth or the size to it, um, to me, you're setting up for, for failure. failure. Like it's just, and we see that with homes and other ones, right? Like sometimes you just have bad matchups. He, the two guys that he just really had trouble handling um, Crowder and Luca, like that's just something I've noticed that when it's the the beefier guys, like that's um, you know, and not surprising because he's tall and skinny, right? Like he's yeah. he's not Davion out there like putting a body. So he looks like a guy that again you would be picking up in YMCA basketball, just like a, yeah. a free-for-all game. That's kind of how Mark looks like the vibes he gives but off I mean, the headband. Right. But when this team is rolling, right, again, they don't necessarily need Harkless to do, like to give no, that stuff. I, it's it's, not... it's when it's when they're struggling and you need some of that offense, like hundred percent. And as we've said, that's one of the biggest needs we feel 
that this team still has is to get that guy that can give you average on both ends of the court. Um, and you can put Harkless back in the, off the bench, like you did last year. He fits a lot better in that role and to compare him to Royce O'Neal as you did, uh, which is a good comparison. Royce O'Neal is definitely a, a, like a very important player for the jazz and what they do. Royce O'Neal averages about eight points a game, shoots 50% from the field. Mo Harkless mm-hmm. right now is averaging about four and shooting much less in a game because yeah. it's not what he's thinking to do. I'm saying I would like it if he thought a little bit more about it just because four or six points from Mo would go a long way in this game if he scores four or six. I want it to be corner threes or right. like his like drive to the basket. Yeah, I don't he want, like, he I don't want him just chucking it up. No, of because, course. Like, but he didn't shoot yes. once in this game, and I just I, I don't like that personally. Um, Metu and Jones deserve a lot of love for what they were able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones played 12 minutes, looked very bouncy and energetic, which is what he's known for. Metu to me seems a little bit like a different player. Like he really worked on his skill. He, he worked on his body for sure. He's a much slimmer, more muscular, like defined, like toned type of player and can move a little bit. He's more agile. Stretches I think the, the Olympics helped, right? Like right. No, yeah. that experience with that and all those NBA players that were on his team. Um, and then he was at the good squads. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can tell. And one thing that I think that's very underrated for him is his passing, his passing ability. He's a good passer. Um, he had a good feed to Jones and like the fast break where he looked yeah. like De'Aaron or Halliburton out there kind of pushing. And the, he, the, the he had that one drive under the basket and then did like the wraparound pass to, to Barnes in the corner for the three. Yeah. Um, I would not he hate had, him. He does have good vision. I would not hate, and this is not going to happen. I know Luke, this, this would blow Luke Walton's mind if I even suggested this to him. I wouldn't mind Metu being maybe the starting four, and then Harkless comes off the bench just because I think Metu can give you a little bit more. They were also those two guys, not a surprise, considering they, even though it doesn't really pop in the stats, in the, in, in the score sheet, they're the guys that kind of led this rally back, and they wore the two guys with the highest plus or minuses. Jones had a plus 17. Metu a plus 15, and then the rest of the team was pretty much dog shit. Uh, Mitchell was plus 11, which Mitchell is an analytic darling. He'll usually be positive in that in right. that category. But starting, everyone in the starting five was obviously very bad. And uh, it really was the bench, Jill, that got them back in this game. So credit those guys, as you said, for being ready. And they look like a team who, like, I mean, because I think there's been a lot of emphasis in Tyreek kind of running things, it was like, they had to go back to wait. We don't have our guy now that's been facilitating everything, and just did not yeah. did not work out. Yeah, it was it was like they didn't really figure out what to do without Tyrese until the fourth quarter, and then it was a little too late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, I, I really liked the, the the what ended up being the last play for the Kings, the the inbound play where Metu was standing wide open. Luke Walton said after the game, it was kind of yep. funny. Because uh, a reporter asked if that was the play, and he kind of was like, "The play? You mean the play where Metu was standing wide open underneath the rim?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was like, "Yeah, that was obviously the play." Uh, I like I like the little sass and attitude he gave the reporter yeah. because if they if they indeed drew that up, drew that up, which he said they did, yeah, it couldn't have worked any better. I don't know what I think Fox was inbounding. Him. He was a little late to notice him, and then Metu was like running towards him, and as the pass came, so then it was like behind him, yep. and he went to reach for it. It was kind of a cluster. Uh, but yeah, that would have, there were seven and a half seconds left, Jill. He catches that turns dunks, not even a second goes out the clock. Now you press again, you're down by one and yep. you hope someone misses a free throw, missed throw again, again. like, like yep. Booker, which had they had been two. right. Yeah. Right. 
crazy that Booker released too. And it was a good draw up. And as you explained, the execution failed. But you did see as Fox was running back. I don't know if people noticed he was hitting on his chest. Right. I don't know. I don't know why he was late to get the pass. Like he couldn't, he seriously couldn't have been any more open. I didn't go look back to see if the guy, if there was a guy in front of him, like jumping. I mean, the I think he was guy looking for the guarding three. the inbound. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like the guy who was guarding no, him yes. on the inbound, like where if he had to wait for him like to come down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I, like- that's, that's my only guess. Otherwise, if that didn't happen, then he was just late. <laughs> and even if he recovered it, which he tried to, he like kind of kicked it around. If he yeah. cleanly recovers it, Matsu, after dropping it, he can, and he was trying to do, toss it out to Buddy who ran into the yeah. corner and could have had a corner three attempt that would have potentially tied the game. And the other thing, I was surprised they actually didn't review it. Metu, I mean, I don't know if Metu was just acting, but he was like, no, like it was. Like he got shoved. Like, like it, or it hit, hit like the guy, like when they were both kind of like running for it, maybe he tapped it. Sure. Um, but like, we didn't even get a replay on the TV. So, I mean, again, I don't know. Um, I had some people asking online who were at the game, like, did they ever review it? Um, and they didn't review it and we didn't get, they started to show the replay and then, but they passed it in so fast that they cut away from it to live TV. So I just would have been um, interested to see it, like sure. if, it, if it went off, but I did see in the two minute report, they said that they got all the calls correct. So to me, that means they probably saw it. Cause I think otherwise they would say it would have been off of Phoenix and it would have been the Kings ball. And that was, um, you know, it would have been a wrong call. So, so the Kings take their word for it. Yeah. I mean, we don't like to, but, but yeah, <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah. Uh, so they were outscored Sacramento 31 to 12 in the third and then countered by outscoring Phoenix 28 to 11. So the Kings scored 12 points in the third and then Phoenix only scored 11. So just a crazy, crazy it was game. Just straight reversal. Yeah. yeah. It was just a complete flip of the script. It, it's so true. And Matt George had said, and a lot of people were saying this on Twitter. I read, you know, there's, we don't want screw moral victories. Matt George for sure was like, I don't care about a moral victory. However, I will say I will give it the moral victory because it was a back-to-back because it's Phoenix, because you were right there getting blown out on your home court, getting booed. And then you made it a really intense game and you got the I'll fans the, back in. Yeah, I'll give the victory to, to the end of the bench, right? Like, because those yes. guys are the ones that came in and did their job. The rest of them, no. But yeah, I mean, it, give the kudos to the guy, right? True. Like the guys that um, came in and did what they were supposed to supposed to do. But I mean, as as we've heard Bonnie say, right? Like there's one goal, right? So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's win or lose. Um, do you have any qualms about Walton? sticking with I don't but do you have any qualms with him sticking with that lineup that got him back towards the end of the game and not trying to no, throw I think Barnes they earned it in? I think yeah. they deserved it yeah yeah I'm of that and they were playing too. the better basketball like it's um you yeah, reward I, them it, 100% and it and to me they weren't playing so much to where they were totally tired out yet like where sometimes you can kind of see the the lag but uh well, those guys yeah, are fresh no. for sure. And, and even then, like, cause even at the end when Phoenix put their guys in, like they held their own No, against, yeah. against them coming back. So, um, you know, I think that the players would have said they earned it. The coaches said they earned it. And I have to think that feels good for those players of course. feeling like they were re- rewarded in that, um, in that sense. I, I remember a game a couple of years back, 2018, uh, Jaeger's last year where 
they were getting blown out on the road to Minnesota. Minnesota. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the same situation happened where he cleared the bench said, I don't care. I think it was a back-to-back as well, where the team was just flat. So he goes, okay, bringing all the bench guys. They carried him all the way back. I think it was even closer. It was like a one point game, two point game. And Jaeger stuck with those guys and everybody, when they lost that game, ripped him apart for not putting buddy back in, or I don't think he even put De'Aaron back in. He said like, why would I do that? I had those guys carried us back into this game. (laughs) Why? And yeah, the other guys were terrible. Why would I, why would I punish them? It's like in in essence for doing good. And it's the same situation here. I got and no it's issues a statement, with it, right? It's yeah, a it, statement. it is. And it's, it's, it is a yeah. statement. Whether fans like it or not, like it's well, you should it's like an it accountability. It's an accountability. You say no you brainer. want him to hold players accountable. Sitting their ass on the bench, he held them accountable, right? Like, and it got him a little rested. Um. So yes, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Got, but, him, got I mean, him a little like bit. Like you break. can't, yeah, you can't ask for accountability and then be mad when Kings fans can't. They're really right? good at doing yeah. that. Getting mad at one thing and then. <laughs> Asking for one thing and then getting mad at it when it happens. Yeah. Uh, so 24 turnovers in total in this game. Didn't move the ball very well in terms of assists. They had uh, 18 to Phoenix's 28. But that, I mean, when you have that many turnovers, doesn't really surprise you. I think it was their high, yeah, highest turnover game of the, the season, I think. I would far. imagine. And they it, were averaging the lowest, I want to say, um, in the league. I would but love yeah, to and look. And it just... It looked like the, what is it on Space Jam? Like where the monsters, like they just took everything because yes. it was like... I mean, just watching, it was like, who? <laughs> yeah. Luke was getting mad. The whole Who staff, are I, they? I always look to yeah. the bench when this happens just to see like how they're, I want them to show emotion. You know, I, I don't like it yeah. when they look stoic. Uh, everybody <laughs> was yeah, What the fuck? Like, yeah. Like Tristan Thompson was yelling. Gentry <laughs> is a very animated guy. And I didn't notice yeah. that till this year. Alvin Gentry is very animated. Walton's getting more animated. I think that comes with, you know, your job being a little bit more on the line. But the King got lucky to even be in this game at the end. Uh, they earned yeah. it and then also got a little bit lucky um, that their bench guys were ready to go. So let's hope this doesn't happen again for a little while. This was definitely the first game where there was just a long stretch of them getting dominated like that. Yeah, that, that that was the first time. Yeah. Um, and like we said, right, that's that game to us was a steel game. Didn't happen. Um, now, if they come out and do the same thing the next four games, then we'll have some issues. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have quite the topics to talk. It, One yeah, topic. Things won't be pretty. Things won't be pretty. All right, let's switch gears before we preview the, the Spurs game at the end of this, this podcast on this Wednesday episode. Monty McNair sat down with uh, Sam Amick um, of The Athletic. Uh, a, a key, probably the most trusted one. Of, well, no offense to like Carmichael Day, but the most trusted. Oh, he's the most trusted. Even Dave will tell that. Yeah. yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, and so he sat down with Monty McNair on Monday before the Suns game. Um, did an interview, published it in writing on The Athletic, which is what I read. And then, Jill, you were listening to the podcast because Sam Amick has a podcast as well. And Monty McNair then went on yeah. and spoke with him for a little while. Obviously gave a lot more juicy details and just context um, and a little bit more to you know read off of. Yeah, I'm, I'm not all the, the way done with it, but I definitely recommend listening. Here, What's the name of it? The podcast? Give the name yeah. of it. Um, yeah. The Athletic NBA Show. Okay. That's and, clever. Uh, it's um yeah, and uh, the the money part starts at um the twenty one minute mark. So the first part is about Warriors and Draymond, and you know yeah, they're skip that like nine one start. Um, but then from twenty one on, and it's like an hour and a half show. So from twenty one minutes on, um, and really I'm at twenty seven minutes left. Like it's you're getting. He talks about his childhood, like 
football, Princeton, um, how he started, like you're getting a plethora of yes. stuff. So I, yeah, if you have it, I recommend listening to it because you will get more into details and we'll talk about, you know, the article, but you will actually hear to me, that's a big thing is, you know, as we read it, cool, but you know, inflections laughing, like you get more personality wise out of the answers, um, which, you know, might, yeah, it's interesting. It helps. And then for those that don't have the athletic, which a lot of people don't, I get it. I finally, it took me forever to, to just do it and just sign up for it. I think I got a deal too. When I signed up, they were, they had dropped the price. We're going to obviously go over a lot of the key points and things that Monty said. Uh, Cause it was a lot of, it was interesting. Yeah. He does give some detail into his life. Um, his Princeton Well, and it's, it's on Apple. So you might actually oh, okay. be able it's to just listen podcast. to the podcast without having the subscription. So if you didn't okay. get to read the article, Definitely go listen to the to, to the podcast, like because you can hear it. <laughs> Monty uh, did say, as you're talking about his football career at Princeton, he was a receiver, and he had more broken bones in his time at Princeton four, <laughs> I think, than he did I actual catches. Yeah, <laughs> two or three. So that's that's funny. It shows the sense of humor that Monty McNair has. But in talking about the Kings, he, you know, Sam shared, asked a lot of good questions. All the things that we have been thinking: Bagley, Walton, Fox, the whole nine. Uh, key points though, and this is what he led off with in the actual written piece. He, he quoted Monty as saying that there's quote, a very, very clear goal of the playoffs. That is what everyone in the building has on their mind. One goal in mind. One goal in mind. There you go. One goal in mind. It's the playoffs. So if you have any questions about what the Kings are trying to do with this season inside the building, it's crystal clear. It's the playoffs. Correct. Yeah. And Gave and, he, him- and what caught my eye too, in addition to that, he said they have one goal in mind, especially since like the last half of last season. So right. to me, it was like, again, how we thought maybe they were using that first part as the, um, you know, to kind of test everybody out. And he said that he felt that core group of guys, which you saw them stick around, he feels like they can win with them. So just to answer everyone's question, like, the goal since the end, you know, the last half of last season, the off season, and now their one goal is the playoffs. Like and it's, that, you can, you can, and barring something crazy happening, right. Um, knock on wood that doesn't like that's, that's, that's the goal there. There should be no question now when it comes to like tanking or, you know what I mean? Like any of that kind of stuff And you um, could, or selling guys for draft or like yes. selling a Harrison Barnes for a first round pick. Like it's, that's not going to happen. You could see that. <laughs> mindset um philosophy of McNair's at the deadline last year when he obviously bought and, and went and got guys instead of yeah. selling pieces off two big things that he said um or well Monty McNair said and then Sam Amick just you know gave credit to McNair for doing and we don't hear this or haven't heard this about a King's office man in a long time Sam Amick said that he's been very pragmatic and deliberate in his approach that there's no rash or harsh um decision that McNair's made, even though people expected that when he got hired because of where he came from, that was not. And what others have done. (laughs) And yeah, what others have done, that was not going to be McNair's philosophy and it hasn't been his strategy since coming to Sacramento. And then McNair himself said the front office is quote, rowing the boat in the same direction and quote, we want to row as fast as we can. And a straight line as fast as we can. Straight line as fast (laughs) as we can. He spoke highly of the people around him. He he mentioned that he like, it to me, the way he kind of said it in here was it's like, I finally have the group of guys that I want and around me. Um, we all agree 
we're all under the same, Crazy you know, like concept. we're all working together, right? Like it's no one's being forced on anybody. And he hired everyone who he wanted to hire and people he were, he was comfortable with. And it's yeah, straight ahead. And he even said like Vivek's asking questions, you know, he's asking us to explain things. And then he says, okay, do what you go need to do. So, you know, again, like really- even, even Sam said, like, I know you're not going to tell me if this is not the case, but I, I have to ask it because people want to know. And he said, no, I understand it. And he mentioned the rowing the boat thing. And Vivek calls him the jazz band director again. <laughs> like he still uses that, that term. Um, but that he's just asking questions and ask things to get explained. And then it's back to you now. So, which to me is completely fair. And I think every other owner is doing it's if that's not really true, but I can't say that is at this point because, and, and we haven't seen any crazy moves to allude to that. Yeah, Vivek reaching in the cookie jar. Yeah. Uh, shout out to to Ken Contanella, who just he he just stays alive. That man, he will not go, and he must really win over these guys because uh, was hired pretty much at the very beginning of Bloody Devots's high numbers uh, guys. Yeah, numbers guys, smart guys. Uh, hired very early from when Devots came aboard, was working for the NBA at the time. Previously with Detroit, I think with Stan Van Gundy when he was in Detroit. I think that timeline is correct. And then, yeah, his, has stayed on in his current role as just like a numbers guy for McNair, who He's is a numbers cap guy himself. Specialist, right? Cap yeah. specialist. And he gets involved in most transactions uh, and contracts that are given out by the Kings. So the, the front office being in the same boat, going in the same direction, that's that's awesome. I mean, it, it's yeah. it, being a Kings and, fan, and, yeah. that's awesome. And, and for people that are, are interested, um, I don't, I don't think he went totally into this in the article, but he really talked about how, when he came on board and the scouts and the drafting process, like when he first, was that mentioned at all, uh, I don't think so, but no. he went into kind of detail of like when they started and, you know, gave kudos to the guys because they didn't have, you know, much time coming in. And then he was able to oh, bring yeah. his guys yeah, like and how they've all worked together. But like, he goes into detail more about his personnel and, and yeah. Joe, um, yes. And Dumars, how he said he has a house here now, as well as in LA. So he's here and he's around and he's a total sounding board for Monty. And Joe's always Monty been said there. He told Monty says he totally respects the guy, you know, he's done everything not? and, and that it's, it's a sounding board at this point. It's like, which is right. what you would want an advisor to be right. Not making the decisions, but being a sounding board. Yeah. So, and Joe was always the guy that Kings fans and people in the media were like, what exactly, you know, he's a CSO chief strategy officer which is kind of a made up title, but Vivek was a huge fan of his. Uh, the, the rumor is that it was Dumar's presence that, you know, scared Blade, if you will, and, and had him step down to begin with because he didn't want to delegate any of his power. Um, however much it was, or however much Vivek asked to mm-hmm. Dumar's, which not many would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, again, that's not shocked yeah. anybody. Uh, that's a yeah. slap to Vladi's face is what that was, which yeah. I, I, to this day, believe Vivek did that on purpose, knowing that that would push Vladi out the door. You just didn't want to fire him. Cause it's Vlade. He's done it to everybody. That's been his go-to of how to get rid of everyone. Yeah. I don't want to look like the bad guy. I'm going to make you look like he brought in Vladi when Pete was here doing the same thing. Yeah. So, like I mean, grooming it's just, him it's, almost. that's been the, but you so, see, yeah. you'll, you'll see videos and practice videos like Sean Cunningham will post videos of practice workouts and you'll see Dumars. It's hard to miss the guy. He's a big dude. You'll see him. He's at practice. He's talking with Monty. He's talking with the players. I watched a video early in the off season where he was chatting up for a minute with, I think, Bagley. So his presence is felt, but yeah, he's, he's a sounding board. Monty's got full control of the ship. Dumars is there as a guy that's been there, done that, won a championship as a player and as an executive. Yep. 
was executive of the year, I think 2000. Yeah. Whenever you were literally won the title. saying exactly what Monty said. Yeah. Am I? Terrific. You I didn't know it. Yeah. yeah. I, that's just how I'm just as so, smart as Monty. The that's how he, that's how he laid it out basically. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, that's, I mean, so. a sensible person would, I would think, look right. at it like that. I mean, I mean that's, a, that's what Jerry West has done everywhere he's gone. Right. Like True. he's been that sounding. I mean, that, and who that guy the that's logo. done everything. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd listen to the logo. Um, so. Yeah, you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with advisors as that's as long as that's their role. Like mm-hmm. it's just m- being consistent. Right. Um, and well, at least so far, knock on wood, it seems like we're, we're getting that. And Dumar said finally. too, cause he was the interim GM for a time yeah. when they were searching. He said himself, I'm pretty sure he goes, I don't really want to do this. You know, like I, I didn't come to sack to do this again. To do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's not me. Uh, he just did it in the meantime as like almost a favor to Vivek. So yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I will say all these guys are very politically correct and are handling. True. They say the right things. They're saying the right. Exactly. So um, when talking about Fox, uh, he said he's not worried. You know, Sam asked him that. I think one of the first questions he asked was, how you feel about Fox? So start. He goes, listen, De'Aaron's De'Aaron's our guy. We paid him right away when I got here for a reason. Uh, he's getting a lot of the same looks and things that he did last year. They're just not dropping right now. That's that's how sports work sometimes. Uh, but yeah, express no concern, which, you know, the media is going to keep pushing that and trying to spin yeah. that into something. It's not. And he wouldn't, I mean, yeah. And you're Obviously. not going to say otherwise, but yeah, I know he yeah. sucks. Yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to say that. Um, but I thought it was, it was a smart, I mean, the answer he gave was smart and what you would expect a GM to say. I mean, it was yeah. right. Not that he had a better offer a couple of days ago. It was on point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Davion, he said was a very special player, um, that he didn't care about, you know, having too many guards that it's always going to be. He said this quite a bit, Monty McNair has. While I'm here, it's always best player available. Yep. Best player available. I'm not pulling a Vlade and thinking, how does this fit with, I don't care. If he's not yep. the best player. If we've been out of the playoffs for 15 years, we're going best player available, right? Right. <laughs> like right. Yeah. And it also gives you, you need flexibility. Talent. You need talent. With, yeah. yeah with Trades you, and everything. I mean, you can, guys are movable. Like, and if yeah. talents are there and work, like you're making and, everybody else work that much harder too. He took Davion, gave him DeLon Wright's role, who was DeLon was still under contract, had acquired DeLon at the trade deadline, and then flipped DeLon for a big man with some attitude and some grit that he wanted in Tristan Thompson. So, you know, it all it all ebbs and flows in some way. Um, and then he he said about Buddy Heald that he appreciates his constant focus, that he, you know, he didn't sugarcoat the fact that they had the deal with Los Angeles, um, that Buddy was almost, you know, halfway out the door. But that he yeah, appreciates- I appreciated you. He talked about the conversation they had yeah. together too, right? If yeah. you want to get into that. But yeah, like it was very, um, he was pretty open about it. Like mm-hmm. shocking well, we to it. me. That was one of the more things where um, he was more open about how, you know, it's you called Buddy to say what was going on. And then you called to tell him what wasn't going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that him and Luke, like that they all came together and that, um, yeah, he appreciates that Buddy's been nothing but a, a professional and has bought yeah. in into everything they've asked him in the last two years. Yeah. You know, regardless of all the extra stuff that's going on. It seems to me that buddy likes McNair, um, at least his communication, I would imagine in his honesty that can earn your respect. Even if what's being said is not something you want to hear. If you're upright about it, it's impressive. You know, the impact that not really, I'm being sarcastic. Like it makes total sense to me that buddy would be like, you know, I don't like this, but thank you for telling me. Thank you for yeah. being honest with me. That's all I want. I'm a, I'm a human being. Right. Well, and then other, t- I mean, 
it's it's being a professional like you know what i mean a, like being a pro and, i mean there's going to be plenty of things that these guys and it's him being older too maybe and realizing mm-hmm. you know this is what i have to do um to either ensure i'm getting what i want or to get out like it's if i do what i'm supposed to do um it will help me <laughs> and <laughs> like, his paychecks are still right? the same yeah no one's so, touched the paycheck um yeah he told buddy and the expression he's told him quite a bit which I, th- I think we all maybe yell it at the TV. He tells Buddy just to let it fly. You're here to let it fly, especially now in his role off the bench. You 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 have total, you know, thumbs up to just shoot, shoot as much as you want, which is you know music to Buddy's ears. And then finally on Luke Walton, this was the one that I was trying to find. He he did make a comment about Bagley, but it was very cliche, very you know. I wouldn't well, expect you know, anything less. Yeah, exactly. He didn't give anything on Bagley's end. He just said you, you know he's got to stay ready. Luke's in charge of the, and you've said this, uh, James Ham has said this, Luke's in charge of the rotations. I don't middle on that. If Luke wants to play Marvin, he'll play Marvin. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's on, it's on Bagley and everybody else, what McNair said, to just get ready, stay ready for when their chance comes, which we saw that happen on Monday, not with Bagley. But what he said about Luke, and I'll quote a chunk of it here. He said, Luke's done a great job with our players, getting them to believe in each other, putting them in positions to succeed. And then he touched on how he's also worked exceptionally well with Monty and his staff how he's communicated so well, how he's just been a likable guy, which no one's ever questioned that quality about Luke Walton, just like Bill Walton with his dad. They're likable NBA figures. Does that make, do that, does that make them, does that make Luke a great coach? <laughs> time will uh, tell. <laughs> time will, yeah, we'll say that. Time will tell. Uh, some people have already made this As of now, not yet, but yeah, I mean, we don't know. he's also extremely young. So yes, I mean, people forget that he is a young guy and he, People have failed in plenty of places and succeed elsewhere. So never say and never. I am a, a believer of, you know, pe- people obviously deserve second chances, but coaching yeah. wise, you see too often a coach will have like a rough first go around. Gabe Kapler in baseball with the Phillies is a pristine example of a guy who just couldn't get it right. People hated him. He was ran out of Philadelphia. Everything was, Gap- was Kapler's yeah. fault. And now he's the manager of the year, won 107 games with a team that shouldn't have won that many games. Uh, go Giants. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, but it, I mean, again, it's yeah. And sometimes you just need that right fit, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the combination of the perfect roster with the per- perfect manager, coach, whatever, like, and things just come together. And then you see teams were, I mean, look at Atlanta last year to this year. I mean, I don't know if you've paid attention to Atlanta, yeah, but how they started they off 14 and 20 know, horrible, then like killed the, it. And the now general takes saying, over. And now they're saying they're having to figure out how to still play with the same kind of energy as, as you know, being in the playoffs last year. Well, now they're on like a, I don't know, five game losing streak something. or something yeah. like it's something, you know, bad. Um, so, I mean, it's, it worked really well last year and it could still turn itself around, but it just like any, you just don't know sometimes. And, but I don't find it great that their players or that, their star player said he has to now find ways to keep his energy levels to like what it was in the playoffs. Like that was your first playoffs, dude. Like, yeah. And you're 23. You still have a whole, you got to get there again. <laughs> That's discouraging. I didn't hear, I didn't know Trey Young said that. Go, go look up the quote. It was interesting. Yeah. But it's it like, you gotta, you gotta get there first, right? Like I, as much as we all say like, Oh, we have to have a team that's going to last and do all this stuff. Like we got to have a team that's going to get there first. <laughs> like you got yeah. to you get, get there, go get the experience. So, you'll, you'll never know. The, it. Yeah. It's all hypothetical. It's all speculation until you, you do it. Um, but yeah, Luke, Luke seems like he's fallen 
into a even better situation than with Vlade, who, you know, handpicked him, didn't interview anybody else, was adamant that Walton was going to be the guy. It almost seems like McNair's a better fit. And this relationship has really become a strong one because I think I've said this in the past. Walton plays the style, wants to play a style that McNair is a huge fan of from his time in Houston, yeah. you know, running gun, shoot a lot of threes, got to play good defense when the game's on the line. Uh, they're big opponents of communicating, you know, that's something Luke does very well. And Monty does very well. So I guess ha- I'm happy for Luke, if you will, uh, that he has someone above him now and a staff uh, around him that they seem to like him. You know, there's no Jeannie bus or Mitch Kupchak right. or magic Johnson. I guess I should have said magic first that you're like, or just standing waiting in the tunnel to rip him apart, which he had yeah. one or two of those conversations with magic Johnson with the Lakers. And That's at the fun. end of the day, I want whatever makes the Kings win and succeed, right? Like if of that's, course. I know there are plenty of people that say, oh, they'd rather him lose just to get him out. I want, I want the team to win. Yeah. I don't, I don't care I, enough I, about like, sorry, you know, yeah. I have my coaching Personal list vendettas. and I love coaches and all that stuff, but it's like, I just want the damn team to win. Like, <laughs> yeah. and that's it's- why I see like where, you know, we question all the roster decisions and who's playing and not playing like end of the day. If they win, like, awesome. Mm-hmm. I've, I've spent so many years watching them lose that it's like, I will take whatever, whatever's making them successful, regardless yeah. of who's on the court or not. Because at the end of the day, right, to me, it's, it's what's on the front, not mm-hmm. what's on the back. So, yeah. And it's just players was, come and go, unfortunately. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Just show me the results. Uh, so, yeah, the McNair piece is very good. It's, it's always nice to have. Uh, like almost clickbait. I mean, it's not clickbait. It's you want to read it, but like something, something to entertain this early in the season, only 11 games in it's, it's cool that we have a, like an interview we can look over or listen to. If you want to go listen to it on Apple podcasts or the athletic podcast or read it on the athletic, definitely recommend me and Jill Phil Gian, pretty good there. Well, now we're going to get to the task on hand tonight for the Kings and end this uh, Wednesday episode with looking at the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs. Three and seven, as I said, they lost 99 to 94 uh, against the Thunder on Sunday. So they've had a couple of days yep. to rest. And then I was and they still to... have and Jakob is still out, I believe. Yes, Jakob's their, out. Their starting center, which is big because he's a huge presence. Because he's like their biggest guy. Um, I mean, Eubanks is still pretty big. Eubanks will filling start in for him. For him. But, but still, I mean, to not have that body there um, I is, said that, is big. Oh, it's huge. And the Kings absolutely got to capitalize on that missing piece in the, in the low blocks that Collins hasn't played from all year. He's was one of their big free agent additions. Uh, I said in a previous podcast that the Spurs have the youngest roster in the league. That was wrong. I figured that was wrong. The Thunder have the youngest roster. And then like the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves are the next two. The Spurs have the youngest roster in Popovich's tenure. And potentially they don't know this for sure. The youngest roster, the San Antonio Spurs have ever put out there since I was gonna say, but still though, if you take that away, I think you're pretty, I think it's close. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> because they have a lot of like first contract guys on. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. Um, and so their so average age, interesting, Jill. Matt and McDermott, maybe, are like yes. their two older guys. Yeah. And they're, I don't think McDermott's even 30 yet. Um, their average age is 25 and a half years old. That is the exact okay. same as the Sacramento Kings. So same age squads. One team's playing a little bit more of the young guys than the other. Spurs playing all their young dudes. Um, I don't think that young really plays much, but what do we think of this game? He's, been, he's been getting run since Jakob is out. Yes. Like, but prior to that, he wasn't. And I think McDermott was kind of in and out too, based mm-hmm. on, on injury. And so, 
And Bates Diop is a reserve four that might miss this game as well. So then you would probably okay, see, so there's see Young. Some, yeah. There's a chance for the the Wiley veteran, the lefty. Uh, but yeah. I'd love thoughts to on the Spurs tonight. Are we concerned? I mean, I don't even like you could say trap game. I don't want to say trap game, but I yeah, think they haven't earned that. They've lost to right. Like, what it, I, I think I said this last one. Um, this team needs to learn how to not let losing streaks get past. Sure. After like last two or year. three. That was that was mine. Was cut them off. Right. Get the win, even if you go one and one the next one, but cut them off. So you're not having the prolonged um, streaks, which there's a couple teams right now in the NBA that are at five. I think there's like two or three. Um, we don't want to get there. We're at two right now. Like this is your opportunity to, to show you can do it and, and cut it off. And what this gets them back to 500, right? I think yes, this, they would be six and six. Okay. So um, yeah, I mean, these are the kind of games you need to give yourself right. Mm-hmm. Like that cushion you need, you need yourself. Um, so yeah, regardless of who's playing or not, like take care of business. That's mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. They had a day off. A lot of the main guys had, you know, a second half off in, in essence. Um, so hopefully they have a little bit more energy. I had said that. I, I hope, hope they that... come in pissed. Right. Yeah. Like, right. After that. Yeah. yeah. I had said that for the Monday game that I hope they show a little bit more life in the beginning. They didn't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> They did the exact opposite. They were dead. And so I hope they have life in this game. The Spurs, we know, will be well-rested. They, Like I said, they've had two days off. They haven't played since Sunday, midday. So this is not – obvious. yeah, I, they haven't earned the right to call this a trap game, the Kings have. And this is still a Popovich team. Right. You're a better team. You're playing better, even though you've lost two straight. Um, so go win this game. You want to start a road trip with a win, especially a four-game road trip around Midwest, the, you know, traveling. Yeah. The- the what three out of the four teams they're playing during this are guys that you're going to need to be ahead of to make the play in right like if mm-hmm. play in playoffs like yeah, these Western are the teams, teams that are under you so the these Pistons. are the teams you need to beat to separate themselves True. and or win the tiebreakers things like that so it's um yeah not worried about in, the thunder really but get in, pissed in right like rankings. we're what what Dallas did to Sacramento after they had their worst showing and then they came out and just stomped on the king like the Kings need to come out after that showing and. Set the tone. Set yeah. the tone. Set be the aggressive. Tone. Be the bullies. Don't get bully balled. I mean, they did it against Charlotte. They came out. They set the tone, and the whole game, like it was just there. Yeah. Set. Set. It. Be physical. Right. Don't get. Pu- don't. Don't be on your heels and get. And yeah, get Spurs, pushed. And be smart with the ball. Yeah. The Spurs um, play uh, a style again similar to the Kings. Doug McDermott's their starting four. Keldon Johnson's starting small forward. Uh, talented young wing player. And then Eubanks, who's like six, nine, maybe aggressive guy, but he'll, he'll, he'll be starting at center without Pirtle. So they don't have size and they, they go fast because that's, they're young. And you know, the, that's the style that DeJounte Murray and Derek white. And uh, those guys play at Lonnie Walker. They have a lot of good young guards. I mean, really there's some mm-hmm. good amount of parallels between this team, and the Sacramento Kings and length on them yeah, and length. So set the tone, Jill. We've said that a lot run please play with some pace because we know the Spurs will play with pace transition defense is going to be key and yeah I mean you have experience on this team uh in terms of you know having played in the league even though their average age is technically the same start the road trip with a win don't mess with us I'm I'm so tired of it you know and and don't you you that is a very key thing you've said we we can't let these losing streaks drag out because then you start 
you know, hearkening back to the year before, if you're the players like, oh shit, it's happening again. And then all of a sudden a two game losing streak, which they're on right now becomes, God damn it. I don't even want to say it. I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm going to say? Um, end it two games. That's enough. And then we move on to Oklahoma city on Friday at five. So th- that's the other thing. These games are, I guess a little bit, they're not day games. They're not matinee games. Thank God. But they are earlier games than we're used to for the, or the Kings yeah. are used to because they're in but the central yeah, time zone. But realistically, if the team wants to stay around five, I mean, if you're looking to stay around 500 or more, like mm-hmm. you really can't lose more than these couple games, like in a row, no. like at any given time, like it is, you just got it. Yeah. Uh, my goal I'm setting for this road trip. I, we've kind of thrown out that they could theoretically sweep it, go four and out. That seems un- unlikely just because that's tough to do. Uh, I take three and one. I, that's yeah. I, I, my goal and realistic goal at that is three and one come back eight and seven uh, with your Friday home game back on the, when you come back from the road trip against Toronto a game that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be going to um, my buddy's a Raptor fan. We're going to go, go watch it. And then that's the debut of the Sacktown unis. So not only would you come back a little high, you know, game above 500, but now you got to debut the blacks, uh, the sweet, sweet throwback in essence, jerseys and vibes are good. You know, let's get those good vibes back. They, the vibes go quick if, if you don't really cherish them. So that's the goal. It sounds like that's your, your goal for this trip as well, Jill, three and one. I, I don't think that's asking a whole lot. Really, really not. Especially after the last one, last road trip was much more difficult in terms of the opponents and they split it two and two. So three and one's what we're going for. Get back above 500 when you come back to Sacramento. Take care of business tonight against the Spurs. That's going to do it for us on this Wednesday podcast. Uh, we got our guests, or I, I don't know why I said guests. I, I, I don't think it's plural. We will have a guest on Friday. We haven't sorted it out yet, but I have an idea. I'm sure Jill has someone in mind. So come back. Uh, I don't think we'll have a Hall of Fame's Hall of Famer's son joining us again. Unfortunately, I don't know that many Hall of Famer's sons. Only Mattia. So don't expect that. But come back and and, and listen to us on Friday for our, our, our typical guest show. Anything else to add, Jill? Um, no. Just uh, Jill's water put the cooler good vibes on out. Just put the good vibes out. Yes. That, uh, yeah. That uh, the Kings take care of business. Good prayers, thoughts, and prayers, and good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what that's I think that's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> Put it out there. Put it, Send out, it out. Only positive things, guys. We have enough negative in this world. All right. Have a good one. We'll uh, see you Friday. Slater, dudes. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.